0: Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for listening on. You could have been anywhere in the world, and you decided to spend just a few moments of your precious time, and we greatly appreciate it. Here on the podcast, we talk about three things, living a plant-powered lifestyle, enhancing emotional resilience, and creating a thriving mindset. And I interview a range of passionate guests, such as physicians, dietitians, coaches, entrepreneurs, and many more. And please join me as I deliver these engaging, informative, and high-valued conversations for you. And just remember the first five seasons of the Thrive Bites podcast can now be found in the new The Chef Doc app, available in your Apple Store and Google Play stores. So what are you waiting for? Come on inside. Hey guys, what's going on? My name is uh, Dr. Colin Zhu, and welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites Podcast. Today, we're going to be joined by Tony Agamotto, and she is the founder of the world-famous Plant Based on a Budget. And not only is she a blogger, but she's a recipe developer, a cookbook author, and a speaker. And I had the wonderful privilege and honor to hear about her stories as she uh, grew up in the Northern Central Valley, uh, California. And what was it like to live with her grandparents. Her parents kind of go through the cultural ins and outs of her Mexican family, as well as being able to understand what it meant to not have support, not have the time, the lack of resources, equipment, and what to do and ultimately creating plant-based on a budget. And it's a wonderful, wonderful episode. She shares a lot of tips and tricks on transitioning to hope for plant-based, where to find support, and also letting us know about her upcoming Book, Plant Based on a Budget, Quick and Easy, which will be in stores um, in March. And you don't want to miss this. So please join me, and I'll see you inside. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. You could have been anywhere in the world, and you decided to share your precious moments with us, and we are really, really, really appreciative of that. Our next guest, I can't wait to introduce. Her name is Tony Akamoto. She is the creator and founder of the world famous plant based on a budget website and blog. She is a not just a blogger, but she is a cookbook author. She's going to tell us about her new upcoming cookbook. She's a podcaster. She's a writer. She's an author. She's a speaker. And we're very, really, really excited for her to be here talking all things hopeful plant-based, her origin story, the different tips and tricks that help us pique that curiosity, but also help us transition as well. So we're going to get straight into it. So without further ado, please welcome Tony. Hello.
1: Hi. Dr. Zhu. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to chat with you.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show. I know that you are a woman of many, many hats and roles and very, very busy. So we really appreciate you taking the time out to join us today.
1: Oh, well, I appreciate you for having me here.
0: (laughs) Can you tell the audience where you're calling from?
1: I am in Sacramento, and we're having very strange weather here. It's usually a very mild place to live, Weather wise, but mm-hmm. it has been storming and a very strange year for our weather. And so you'll <laughs> see me all bundled up. It looks like I'm wearing a blanket, but I'm wearing a big sweater and staying cozy.
0: Yeah, I didn't know whether Northern California would get hit as well. But we've been getting flooding upon mm-hmm. flooding. And I've only been in California five, you know, five years now. And the system is not set up for this, right?
1: <laughs> right. We experienced what you're experiencing early this year. We lost thousands of trees in Sacramento that were just toppled over by the wind and the oversaturated ground. And I feel for you, it's really rough.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's get into it. I've been following your story, your website, I've actually recommended it to several of my patients for a very, very long time. And it's very nice to see someone create something of their own, and then just work really, really hard on it day in and day out 24 seven entrepreneur myself, I understand what that feels like. And to be able to, you know, flourish. And I would love to know later down in the interview what your version of flourishing and thriving is. But let's start from the beginning, your origin story. I think every superheroine, you know, has one. And can you take us from the beginning on how did you arrive to this point? Was it from the get-go as a child, you just felt for the animals, for example, or was it somewhere in the middle of your life that you decided to transition? Please uh, let the audience know your story.
1: Well, thank you first for the kind words. I really appreciate it. I have two chapters of my early childhood. I grew up with my grandparents first and my dad was a teenager when I was born. So he went to the Navy to provide a paycheck that would feed me and keep me clothed and comfortable while my grandparents helped with the day-to-day stuff and they were both retired. We lived here in Sacramento. It's the northern part of the Central Valley and my grandpa was part of the Japanese gardening community here Mm. and grew a lot of the food that we ate, which was really special. And my grandma, who was also retired, would cook it from scratch. And so my early childhood is full of memories, picking my own food, tasting really fresh produce. But then my dad came back from the Navy, and I went to live with him. And he was very busy. At that time, my brother had been born. He's nine years younger than me. And he was a single dad raising two children, working mm-hmm. all the time. And we relied on more convenient foods, foods that tend to be more processed. My favorites were hot dogs and chili from a can, boxed mac and cheese, hamburger helper, things like that, things that would fill us up and did not require a lot of time. And so that became my norm. And it became how I preferred to eat over what I first currently chapter eat. <laughs> and currently eat. Exactly. And so I began to feel the impact of that and it was negative. And I was running track at track practice. This was when I was about 16 years old. So that's 20 years ago. I was getting sick all the time and didn't think twice about it. My coach did though and suggested that I cut back on red meat, fast food and processed food. And I thought that that was a very strange thing because I had never considered how what I ate impacted my body and I remember being totally confused when he was like, "Tony, what are you eating?" Like that's a just a strange question to ask me. <laughs> uh, and so I I began to take his advice. It was very hard for my parents. I still remember their reaction. They were very caught off guard, wondering why I would do this to them, why I was making it difficult, being a a teenager going through a phase. And so they later became supportive, but it took a, a long time. Time, and that was an obstacle for me. But I moved out when I was out of high school and became vegetarian because I was able to feed myself. And at that time, I was vegetarianish. I didn't really understand <laughs> what it meant. Mm-hmm. I knew it didn't. Any vegetarians didn't eat meat, but mm-hmm. I didn't think about chicken broth. I didn't mm-hmm. think about the things that are in the other things that I ate. And uh, and so I tried my best. And it wasn't until I was in my community college around the age of 20, where I took an animal ethics course. And as extra credit, my professor suggested that everybody go to this veg club and you got, again, extra credit. And so I went because I needed extra credit. And I met some really cool people who were totally inspiring and welcoming and inclusive. And they also faced some of the same challenges that I was experiencing. I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have a lot of time. I didn't have resources in my kitchen like proper cookware, proper anything. I didn't have cooking skills and yet they were still able to be plant-based. Mm. And so I started hanging out with them. It became easier. Having a support system was critical for me and seeing people who yeah. were like me doing what I wanted to do made it made me understand that it was possible. So that was the beginning of my plant-based journey.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I want to go back to your grandparents and And your father. And I understand that you are of Japanese and Mexican, you know, descent. So were you growing up more on kind of equally on both sides or more on the Japanese side or the Mexican side?
1: Definitely the Mexican side. My grandpa was very unfortunately disowned for marrying someone who was not Japanese. And so I did not have a lot of experience with his side of the family. Meanwhile, we lived in a predominantly Mexican American community. Community and my mom is from Mexico. My grandma is a, is a fluent Spanish speaker. And so the people around me, the food that I ate was Mexican. Mm.
0: And I want to know because we have a lot of, of our audiences from different walks of life. I'm of Asian descent. And me personally, I transitioned around 2014. And growing up on Chinese cuisines, it's we always seek harmony and we always seek balance. So there's always, there's always equal portions of everything. So transitioning wasn't super hard, even though as opposed to eating just your standard American diet where it's very, very heavy on animal-based you know, based processed foods and things. Things like that. What was their reactions in terms of transitioning? Because here in California, we have a very large Mexican culture, even though there are a lot of great ways that you can go plant-based, but what was your family's reactions when you were know, transitioning throughout time?
1: Well, my family is very dramatic. It's just in our nature. <laughs> so it was very it dramatic, was like
0: a novella dramatic or <laughs> yeah, like,
1: like, oh my gosh, why has God forsaken us with this child who doesn't eat meat? why would you do this to me that kind of dramatic and i knew in my heart that i wanted to do it and so i feel like once you get that passion within you that it helps navigate those situations. And now I also understand that I don't have to explain myself. At that time, I did more so because my parents were supporting me. But now if someone questions me, I just say, I don't really want to talk about that unless they're genuinely curious. Uh, We'll go back to that time in my life. One big obstacle when you're very extremely tied to your cultural foods is that often it's not only the food that you eat and the food that you share. It's a way to communicate love and a Affection and celebration, and you don't want to be disrespectful. And so, there are some tips and tricks you can get around that. Like, I always bring my own food places to share, not only for me, but I bring. Extra, extra! I double, triple the batch because I know that they're gonna love my food, and I won't get any. I'll get like a tiny little portion, and everybody else will want some. So I always <laughs> bring some to share. I try to let people know in advance that I am vegan, and so that is so helpful. I don't catch the host off off guard, and it's awkward if you haven't let someone know and they've prepared a meal and then you reject the meal. So sure. just giving a call in advance is good. Saying I'm happy to bring something too to share with the group, and then if I'm in Charge of, of, or if we're going to eat anywhere as a group, I always want to be in charge so that I can take the burden off of anyone else who is planning where we're going and make sure that I can eat while we're going. So I'll, I'll give a restaurant a call, I'll look on Yelp, I'll go on to Happy Cow, which is a, a vegetarian app that shows you what options are available in your area. And that just makes it easier. And for me, what I want to do to my whole community, neighbors, family, friends, is show how easy and accessible being plant based can be and not make it really hard and be like, Hey, can you also call the restaurant and ask them what's (laughs) in all of these different dishes? I don't want to put that burden on them. I want to take that on. And once I get there, show them that it's easy and that I can eat where you eat. And it's cool.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, just going off of the the cultural side, and you've mentioned how growing up, you've had a lot of support, you went to this veg club, you know, you went through these extracurriculars, you found the support system, what would you say? say for someone that, you know, I get a lot of patients that kind of have to work in a silo, they would have to make their own meals within their own kitchen, their other family members would try it, you know, sometimes neutral about it, sometimes nah. I'll just kind of do my thing. How would you sure you get this a lot be in those situations? What would you say for those situations where you don't have the support? And it's it just feels like it's a little bit harder, you know, when you're trying to make do on your own.
1: What's so cool about living in this age of technology is that there are an abundance abundance of free resources available. There's this podcast, there are tons of different channels on Instagram that speak to individuals. So say you are from Argentina, and you're a single mother, and you work two jobs, likely there is an account for you. I I feel like there's an account for everybody. And and so if you do a little digging on Instagram, there are tons of Facebook support groups. I know I have one that plan based on a budget support group is what it's called on Facebook where people say things like I was offered a free meal at work today and I couldn't afford to not eat it so I ate it and I'm feeling really bad about it what like how would you do how would you navigate this and my response would be that's okay just eat the next meal plant-based it doesn't have to be all or nothing and so to have someone remind you that it's okay and that you didn't become a failure in your goal and that you can (laughs) always choose a plant-based meal tomorrow is the motivation that we need often not always there is someone in our lives who is wanting to challenge us. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe it's because they're defensive. You know, Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can say, I'm going plant-based for my health or for the environment or animal reasons. Mm -hmm. And someone can take that, especially if you're talking about this over food to say, you don't care about your health. You don't care about the environment. You don't care about animals. And Mm -hmm. I try to never talk about these issues over food because Mm -hmm. that's when I feel like people are the most defensive. Mm -hmm. But I want to make everyone feel Comfortable where they are, and support groups are a great way to do that.
0: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, going off of uh, what you said is really about asking the why of why you transition or why you're choosing to lead a certain lifestyle, and just really owning that and having enough agency and just being really firm on where you stand. And you know, it's not really anyone's business to know all the ins and outs. It's really for you, right? You know, because I come from a health world, a lot of the reasons is for health, but you. Can Can also be whole food plant based and vegan for other reasons as well. And you don't necessarily need to be responsible to answer everyone's burning questions, right?
1: (laughs) Preach. I feel like that is something I learned later in my life is that sometimes there will be people who are genuinely interested. And for those people, I think it's worth my time and energy and like mental space to chat with them. But if I know that someone is asking me questions to maybe challenge me or start an argument, I am not interested. And what mm. I do these days is I say, you know, I would really like to enjoy my time with you. I'd like to enjoy this meal with you. But I have these great resources try to read How Not to Die by Michael Greger, watch Game Changers on Netflix. And once you do, I'm happy to talk to you about these things. And then if they actually go and watch and read the resources, <laughs> then I'll talk. Now I know that they're genuinely interested. Yeah. But I don't want to have a negative relationship because of the way I choose to live my life. It's it's not worth messing up my family relationships or my relationships with my friends. And now I feel like everybody knows where I stand because it's been a little while, but I have encountered the why don't you just eat a burger? It's what why not? <laughs> <laughs> just take a bite. It's cool. And so I'm a little bit more used to it now than ever.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of it is when you're choosing a certain lifestyle, it is a part of who you are. So it's almost like whenever you receive these questions, it's almost like questioning who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you have to be Tony? And at the at the end of the day, right? It, it's almost like some sort of, how do you say it? Not subliminal, but there's like an underlying question underneath that they're actually not asking. And at the end of the day, it's really about owning who you are and that agency and just be firm. As long as you're comfortable and you stand firm in your own values and beliefs, doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks, right?
1: I totally agree with that. And I think that that's why it's important to do a little bit of research. Maybe you don't need to be an expert on everything to defend yourself and. In- Conversations, But just knowing for yourself why you do the things you do is really important and keeps you grounded. Like for me, going to an animal sanctuary was incredibly transformational. And seeing animals as individuals, for me, sparked an even greater passion. And I hold that. I have that for myself. And although I don't need to sing it from the rooftops, it keeps me going. It keeps me choosing plant-based.
0: Yeah. And I think how you're doing it otherwise is that instead of quote-unquote singing from the roof, rooftop, you're doing it in your own way. You've created a beautiful website and blog that's flourished over the years. You have cookbooks now, you have support groups. And so in a way, that's your version of singing from the rooftop, you know, in a way.
1: Yes. And my whole approach is having people come to me when they're ready. I don't go after my family members. I don't try to force myself upon anybody who's not ready because I one time was not ready. If I had been more challenged from vegans, I would have been really defensive myself mm-hmm. because that's my personality. Like, mm-hmm. oh no, now you're challenging me. I'm totally turned off. <laughs> and so I understand that because that's me. And I don't want to put that on anybody else. So I usually just dine with people and let them eat what they want to eat. But when they're ready, they know that I am a safe space and I am yes. willing to talk to them, even if they've been more aggressive with me in the past. I am yes. I'm still ready to teach you all the ways to eat plant-based.
0: I think uh, safe space and boundaries is huge. And coming from an Asian descent, and I have a lot of Mexican friends as well, there's almost no such thing as boundaries. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone's story or what's going on in our life ends up becoming part of the <laughs> table's conversation in some way, right? You don't even know how it floated <laughs> into the conversation, but it does.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And so quickly going back is very, very common, is I don't have enough time or it's too costly. I'm sure you get this a lot. What would you say are your top tips to address those?
1: Well, I know those things are a very big, those are big obstacles and I face them myself. I have lived under the poverty line. I have worked multiple jobs at the same time. I've been without a car and it can be a challenge. But fortunately, I've done a lot of the hard work and heavy lifting of creating meal plans and lots of free resources and even cookbooks like my new one, Plan Based on a Budget Quick and Easy, uh, that show you how to navigate the grocery store because that is one of the biggest challenges. Once you put your meal plan together at home based on what you have already on hand and go to the grocery store, it is so hard to stick to it with all the beautiful packaging and big <laughs> sale signs and new vegan products and all of the things. And so just staying disciplined and understanding why you're doing what you're doing. For me, it was to get out of debt. I was in an immense amount of debt and I wanted to at some point not live in such a Hard way where I couldn't easily rent an apartment, or one day I could get a car loan, or these things that yeah. seem normal to people with good credit. I didn't have that experience, and so I wanted to one day be able to like not have a cosigner or something like that. And so uh, I stayed really focused and disciplined. And uh, I feel like the the thing, the common theme that keeps coming up is your why, and and allowing that why to be disciplined for you, and mm-hmm. going to the grocery store and sticking to your your shopping list, understanding that the grocery store is designed to get you to buy things. That is just how it goes. And sticking to the list, and not only that, but knowing where to shop once you're in the grocery store. And I'm talking about when you come in, there are going to be big sale signs all over the place. That's probably paid placement, and you want to recognize that. The end caps, the cashier area, the entryways are all paid placement. And when you go to look for, we'll say, the can of beans or tomato sauce, and you see Hunt's tomato sauce right when you walk in, and that's eighty-eight. dollars for 14.5 ounces. If you go to the tomato sauce aisle and look all the way around, not only at eye level, because that could be paid placement too, mm-hmm. look for the cheapest price per ounce and you'd probably find it to be the store brand and go with that one because everything else is kind of designed to get you to buy it.
0: It's like the equivalent of a sponsored ad on like Instagram.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the and eye I-
0: level is so key. It's like above and below is a lot cheaper in terms of, you know, it's really estate it's literally mm-hmm. supermarket real estate
1: exactly i'm also into couponing still i remember <laughs> my mom would totally embarrass me my dad remarried later later down the line and she would go to the grocery store with a big accordion folder that was mm-hmm. organized and like color-coded and had all these different yeah exactly like <laughs> and she would stand at the line looking at what she bought and is pulling her coupons out and i would be like oh my gosh please like, get me out of here but now you can be really. Dist- read about it. I'm sorry, most grocery stores have an app where you can download um, a barcode and create a profile for yourself and clip coupons within the app and once you're at the grocery store, you just scan it. Closest grocery store to me is Sprouts Mm. and they have an app. Uh, They also have double ad Wednesdays. So knowing your grocery store and what their sale schedule is, is really awesome because if you go on Wednesdays, you get last week's sales plus this week's sales plus you can use your coupon Bonds, and so sometimes you can be saving multiple dollars on something that you want and what's really cool is that when i was little you tend like the the coupons were mostly manufacturer coupons like lucky charms you get 75 cents off if you use the lucky charms one the coupon but now if you go to the sprouts app or whatever grocery store app you can find if you buy three avocados you save 75 cents or Mm -hmm. something like that so i'm already going to buy avocados or i'm already going to buy one bunch of bananas i can save that 25 cents on something i was going to buy already that's good Mm -hmm. for me and that's going to nourish me and why wouldn't i want that
0: hey guys we're going to be taking a short break but don't go anywhere we'll be right back Hey guys, welcome to the Chef Doc app. I am so, so excited for you to be here with us. This has been such a remarkable miracle is probably the best way that I can say it. The whole premise of this, you're probably wondering why I created the Chef Doc app. Um, it's a very good question. I've been enthralled with really, really impacting and inspiring as many people as I can um, to be able to thrive. I've made a lot of things and created a lot of content over the years. However, it just made a lot of sense to put it all under one roof and so what you will find is a collection of many many types of offerings many different types of programs from whole food plant-based essentials 101 to the whole thrive bites podcast archive five seasons 150 episodes to the thrive formula which is a 50 plus on-demand evergreen masterclass series interviewing so many different types of wellness experts on learning how to thrive. And my Thrive Medicine 21 Day Challenge, plus many, many, many more coming soon. So stay tuned for that. So there are many ways to be able to access this content. One is there are free lessons for you to try out, see what we have here. We have something for everyone. We have audio content, we have video content, we have quizzes. We also have a community feature where you could also uh, talk to other uh, members of the Chef Doc app to be able to engage in discussion, share with others what it means on how we can continue to thrive in our own lives and you can also upgrade whether you want to buy things one-off you can buy programs and content one-off or if you want to join us on a monthly membership subscription plan where you could have exclusive access to all of the content plus also Q&A's where I answer your burning questions on anything from plant-based lifestyle to physical activity to how do I improve my mental and emotional resilience to a you know, how do I foster better relationships and community and to just the nuances of how to use this app and what is whole food plant-based lifestyle and et cetera. Thank you so much for coming in. And please, if you have any questions, uh, please feel free to email us in the description below and I'll see you inside. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. <laughs> Not lucky charms. Yeah. And also, you know, my my go-to is Ralph's. I think you guys have Ralph's too, right?
1: I think we have a couple.
0: You have a couple. Okay. So maybe yeah. not as large it's, in the Southern right. color. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, just being a shopper member, they give you these automatic savings and clippings, they, they call it, mm. just by joining for free. So it does save you time from collecting coupons. But hey, you know, if you love collecting coupons and getting the accordion, yeah, <laughs> like Tony's saying, definitely do that. Another question that I had is you have an immense great creativity in terms of producing these types of recipes. I'm curious on what goes into the process and inspiration when you're creating, you know, these recipes, because, you know, you've had it to a point where you can just type in any type of keyword, right? And boom, you know, you have at least two to three to four different types of recipes surrounding that certain keyword. Let's just say it's like pasta or like a stew or something like that. What has been that inspiration for you in creating these
1: recipes? Well, I I will say I have so many recipes now because I've been doing plant-based on a budget for 11 years. That's a long time to be creating recipes on a regular basis. (laughs) I think I have somewhere around a thousand, maybe. And what keeps me inspired, I live, again, I mentioned this earlier, but I live in the Northern part of the Central Valley where we grow a lot of the country's produce and even produce for some of the world. And so growing here, is very easy and a lot of people are backyard gardeners and I have about 12 garden beds and mm-hmm. I try all different types of produce even produce I don't really like I know mm-hmm. that if I grow it I'll eat it because I, mm-hmm. I spent the time and effort to grow it and so I stay inspired by trying different types of produce by having an abundance of one thing and trying to figure out okay what am I going to do with a million pounds of zucchini and two million pounds of tomatoes <laughs> and so I you can- I- Create
0: your own CSA. <laughs>
1: Yes, exactly, and and I do I well I don't I do don't do that, but I I donate to food banks because we have a lot of produce and neighbors family. It's really cool to share to share produce. That's awesome. So that's one way, and there are also different ways of creating recipes. I do meal planning for budget conscious people. I create cookbooks, and then I have two websites for recipes, and all of those have a different process. For cookbooks, it's the best of the best. Plus, I work with 100 recipe testers. So for this current cookbook, I had 100 recipe testers and every recipe was tested by five different people of diverse backgrounds. So they had different cooking levels. They were different ages. They had different neighborhood grocery stores. They lived in different types of neighborhoods. Some people lived Mm. in a really rural area. Some people lived in an urban big city. And I wanted to make sure that whether you're eating McDonald's for lunch and my recipes for dinner, or if you eat whole foods plant-based no oil sugar or salt diet that you're going to like my recipes because that's that's the reality is that both of those people will buy the book and so it was really important to me and their feedback is not always great so i have to go back to the drawing board <laughs> multiple times and and make it work for everybody so that process Oh but man for that recipes, uh,
0: that yeah. that is because imagine you have five each let's just say you take recipe a you have five different feedbacks on that recipe a a. Wow, that that's yeah. that turnover can be lengthy. I I, I would imagine,
1: and it's a thorough survey that I give everybody. It's how much did it cost you? Where did you like? Were you able to grocery shop all at one store? How long did it take you? Did your family like it? Did you like it? Did you have to change anything? I want to know what the process was like, and of course, how much money and time they spent on it to make sure that it stays within a certain budget and that it is family friendly, and that like there are so many things you have to hit and everybody has to like it so it's it's a tough process
0: that's awesome that's awesome well, definitely, uh, eating the fruits of your labor is the goal, right? So, <laughs> so, you know, a big, a big over time, we've talking a lot about planetary health, global sustainability, and a lot of it is directly related to food. And a big problem in America is anywhere between 30 to 40%, the average American throws away in terms of food waste. Is this something that you address with your audiences? And if so, you know, what are your uh, tips for trying to minimize as much Produce or food waste as possible?
1: Most definitely. I talk about it all the time and I have a section of my new, my new book about this and I show how to do different types of produce food storage as well as storing your leftovers because I'm a big leftover eater and it saves so much time throughout the week to eat leftovers, but a lot of people don't know how to store. So some basic things that I can share easily are the way you store, we'll say cilantro or parsley. My husband used to call cilantro No, my husband used to call our house the place cilantro comes to die because as soon as we brought it in the house, it would like wilt and go soggy right away because we weren't storing it properly. Mm. And now that we know how to store it, it lasts a week sometimes even longer and we treat it like a bouquet of flowers Mm. we cut the ends off and put it in a jar of water and sometimes you can put I use a silicone bag to put over but you can use a plastic bag Mm. and stick it in the refrigerator until you're going to use it next and that really extends the life one big tip is to change the water throughout the week so it doesn't get Mm. a funky smell I do that with some lettuces like romaine I do that with parsley but when it comes to leafy green like spinach or herbs like basil, I store them in a container that is airtight and laying flat with paper towels on either Mm -hmm. side to absorb the moisture. Mm -hmm. You know, when you leave it in the bag for too long, and it gets a little bit soggy, there was too much moisture. So we want to absorb that moisture. And another thing I want to be totally honest about is that sometimes I don't do that. Like I'm just busy (laughs) and tired. And I don't have the energy or time in my schedule to be like fussing around with things. If I leave the fresh spinach in the refrigerator and I'm mm-hmm. going out of town or something like that, I'll just drop it into the freezer. My my freezer's below the refrigerator. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people have theirs up above, but no, I drop I mine in the it. freezer. I drop mine in the freezer as is, like in the bag straight up. And I don't fuss around with it. But when I need it, it's still good. And I'm able to pour it directly in a soup or a stir fry or a smoothie. And it's already because Usually wash and prep everything beforehand, or if you buy it in a bag, it's already washed and chopped for you. You don't have to worry about it. So if you don't get to it, just drop it in the freezer before it's going to expire, so that Mm -hmm. you don't lose it and you don't throw away your precious money that you earned. It doesn't have to be a big to do. It just has to have a tiny fraction of a second of
0: shifting your routine exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So instead of looking at it and be like, ah, it's about to go soggy, and then. And your immediate reaction is to go in and you know throw into the trash, yeah, It's to drop into the freezer. You know? Yes. For some, it's they have to open it from the side. So.
1: <laughs> yep. And you can go and do proper proper storage later. But if it's going to go bad and you don't have any time, you can get to it later as long as it's in the freezer. Yeah,
0: yeah. And if it does have to go to the waste, if you have the abilities to compost, that would be great as well. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a garden, just <laughs> compost it, throw it back in your garden, yeah. and just recycle it. <laughs> so I'm curious on what do you prepare for yourself? I know people in the culinary world, you know, in the chefing world, they don't prepare elaborate, beautiful meals they would typically do for their clients for themselves. It's more like, okay, let me just see what I can throw together. It's probably going to look like a mess, and I'm good as long as it sustains myself, right? So what does what does Tony prepare for like a given week if she's not super busy, which is, I guess relative, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I rely on a lot of mix and match bowls. I actually did a whole chapter on this because it is so versatile. You can do, first I'll explain my mix and matchables. I do a protein, a grain, a vegetable, and a sauce. And you can either do a store-bought sauce or canned beans as, as your protein and sauce, but you can also make them from scratch. So depending on your time and how much money you have in your budget for food, it can really be creative and always changing. So my favorite thing I would say my favorite type of bowl would be quinoa. I do quinoa over brown rice because it is faster to cook. That's (laughs) mine. That's why. I that's know. what i
0: do too i make <laughs> I, I i do quinoa and brown rice together
1: oh you do Okay. yeah it's awesome. like the it's
0: like the best foundation and bed for yep. everything that you put on, on top of
1: yes i like it i have a pressure cooker and it cooks within five minutes so super fast but also on the stovetop, it's 20 minutes unlike brown rice which is 40 minutes so it's a, a very fast cook time and then for my sauce i love a peanut sauce i like a peanut mm. sauce because you can do all a lot with it. You can put it in a wrap. You can dip your wrap in it. You can put it in some noodles and vegetables with some tofu. You can do nourish bowl with some brown rice and some veggies and baked tofu and pour it on there. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And, and so <laughs> we're, not,
0: we're not at lunch yet, Tony.
1: <laughs> that is true. I know. I, I haven't had a, a proper breakfast, I guess, because oh. I'm making myself hungry. <laughs> uh, so I, at my favorite sauce. And then for vegetables, you can do all kinds of different things based on what's in season or what's on sale. But you can even rely on frozen produce if that's what you have. So I will sometimes when I'm on the go, pick up a, a frozen mix and just warm that up on a pan and or store bought sauce on it with uh, some brown rice that I cooked up and some chopped tofu. And it's delicious. It's awesome. I, easy, delicious and inexpensive.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And it sounds like something you would make out of your cookbook anyway. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So let's talk about the, the cookbook. What is your personal favorite recipe from it? What is so far your readers or testers, you know, favorite? And tell us a little bit about it.
1: The book is called Plant Based on a Budget, Quick and Easy. It's a follow up to my 2019 book, also called Plant Based on a Budget. That book is different because I focused on cooking everything from scratch and making everything as inexpensive as possible. So you're using a lot of your time to make bread from scratch, make pizza dough from scratch, make your beans from dried beans. And with this cookbook, I'm talking a lot about time and how, how my life has changed now that I'm married, now that I have a dog, now that work has picked up for me. I'm trying to be in and out of the kitchen as fast as possible while still cooking up really healthy meals that are going to nourish me and keep me fueled for this busy season of life. And so I am sharing lots of things like one pot meals, sheet pan meals, mix and match bowls. I have a lot of freezer friendly options as well. I talk about food storage so that things don't get bad while you're busy and maybe having the best intentions to use all your, all of your, all of your fresh produce, but not quite getting to everything because where did the time go? So uh, that's what you can expect in this book. And some things that I really love about it. I love the food photography. I work with a dear friend of mine named Alfonso Revia to capture beautiful, beautiful food that you just did a fantastic job styling and photographing. I have a forward by Dr. Michael Greger, who is a big inspiration to me. And I also incorporated a lot of my testers tips because I had such a diverse group. Everybody had amazing things to offer that I didn't even consider because maybe I've been cooking for a little bit too long. I wouldn't think of, of this thing to make it even easier for someone who's not a, an experienced chef. Like, okay, I don't want to put put in that much effort. Maybe I think it's easy, but someone else who doesn't cook at all is like, this is what I did. <laughs> uh, or this is what I made did to make my children like it. Or this is, we don't have this ingredient easily available. So I swapped in this. I, I incorporated it. I gave them credit. And I also leave a lot of room for the reader to get creative. I created these empty lines and I put my tips there. And I want everybody who's reading the recipe to modify it based on their preferences and then to remember in case they liked it or didn't like it not to do it or to do it again in the future. That's
0: awesome. I think that's a great feature to have because a lot of times I would just earmark mm. a specific recipe page and then I would just actually write on the side of the actual, you know, recipe and that could be like if someone else is reading it, you know, I'm butchering my own handwriting so that sure. doesn't help. <laughs> I look at my own handwriting, I'm like, what did I write? So <laughs> so, you know, actually having proper lines is actually a really cool feature. So, I'm glad you did that. So my last two questions is, being that you're in the game for a long time, you know, more than a decade. Looking forward to the next, maybe like three to five years, where whole food plant based is going, where veganism is going, just eating more plants is going. You know, you have a beautiful, you know, quote from Michael Pollan. You know, eat food, not too much, only plants. Where do you see this going? Looking, if you had a crystal ball, and are you happy with that type of movement?
1: I am basing everything thing on my experience talking to people regularly. So in the past 16 years of me being vegan and from the past 11 years of me working with people through plant-based on a budget, I am so hopeful for the future because of how much progress has been made in that time. I know that it was really rough when I first started and there were not a lot of delicious plant-based milks available or I had to make a lot of the things from scratch that I don't have to anymore. And people, know what vegan means when I go to a restaurant. They know how to pronounce it. My family knows more than one vegan now. They have people in their work lives or friends who are trying vegan or eating mostly vegan. And that is so cool. I know things are changing because my parents were once like, oh my gosh. And now they're like, oh, my daughter's been vegan for a long time. So no more, no
0: more this, no more, no more drama.
1: (laughs) No, now no more this. And now like more like, well, my daughter has been doing it for a long time now. So so it is, it is very inspiring to me, and I'm hopeful that it'll continue to get easier for people who are just coming into eating plant-based. Maybe they're dipping their toe, and hopefully their families are more receptive, and they know people who they respect and admire who are also vegan, who they can lean upon and find mentorship in and get that support because it is really important for long-term success to have one person in your corner.
0: Yeah, very, very true. I think... Uh- we're stronger together in terms of supporting one another, as well as, you know, having this community. So I'm glad that you've done so much work on your end. Last question. It's a question I ask all my guests is what are your top tips, top three tips on thriving and flourishing in your own life? This podcast is about creating a thriving mindset. So it's not, not just about, you know, day in and day out about your own passions, but at the same time, what do we do in our own day-to-day routines and self-care and lifestyle? that help us to flourish even more. So I want to see what you can share with your audience without my audience (laughs) and your audience your audience is going to listen to this too. So,
1: (laughs) well, I love that. I think what keeps me inspired is that I know I'm not perfect and I don't strive for perfection. I strive for progress. And I also encourage people to show themselves grace because there are a lot of times where life is challenging and sometimes. your goals move further away from you instead of closer and that's okay you can continue with this long-term mindset that it doesn't have to be today it doesn't have to be all or nothing it can be these incremental changes and a slow transition it took me four years to be vegan and even then I've been imperfect there are times where I ate something on accident and even on purpose that I thought but the next day it was vegan and, and I'm always thinking about doing the least harm to my body to the environment to the animals. And I I hope that people can be as graceful with themselves, even if it's not with just your diet, even if it's in life in general, being kinder to yourself will be greater for your mental health. It'll keep you inspired to make healthy habits part of your lifestyle and will be overall good for you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. The grace part is definitely very, key and just allowing yourself a lot of patience. They say that, you know, good food takes time. And I think that striving and optimizing our own well being also takes time. There's no shortcut to this. So. so, Tony, thank you so much for being here again and sharing your story and your tips and tricks. And I wish you so much success on your upcoming second book launch. Very, very exciting. Can you tell the listeners and audiences uh, where we can find you and how we can purchase your upcoming book.
1: My book can be found at plantbasedonabudgetcookbook.com. And I am across social media platforms at social at Plant Based on a Budget. And then yeah. at my website, of course, is plantbasedonabudget.com. And thank you so much again for having me on your show. I really appreciate it.
0: Yes, though. No, thank you. It's been a blast. Next time, we'll definitely get together and your your fur baby yeah. <laughs> Paul talks a lot about the fur baby. So yeah. guys, thank you so much for watching watching this episode if you like this please like share and subscribe and if you felt that this was a benefit for someone else please let them know until next time please say goodbye to tony <laughs> hey guys we hope you enjoy that episode if you like that please like comment and subscribe and uh, please follow us on apple podcast spotify podcasts and anywhere that you listen to your podcasts and if you felt that this was a benefit for someone else please let them know and also remember that the first five seasons 150 episodes now can be seen and heard on our new the chef doc app and don't forget to give us a five-star rating and we greatly appreciate it so and we'll see you on the next one